I'm afraid to speak, sir. I know. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have some talk? Welcome to Sounds Filmulier, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. I'm Stephanie, and once again, I must ask you to remember that the Marleys were dead and decaying in their graves. My name is Caleb, and I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. My name's Justin, and I'm very big in Sheboygan. <laughs> he's really small everywhere else, though. <laughs> Goodness knows he's not big in location deleted. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, my heart. All right. It's wow. another holiday special. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Holiday Redacted. Yes. <laughs> Non-denominational Mr. Winter is on his way to your local podcast station. I don't know. Chime uh, one yeah. for the community reference. <laughs> you knew it was Chime coming. the bell. <laughs> when the bell tolls. Uh, I would like to apologize again. I am once again recording uh, at my parents' house. Um, so if you hear a bird or the sound of their neighbors having a party, it's on them. Oh, for God. the for the two of you that listen to this with headphones in. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean none of us can escape our parents' houses lately. So right, it's kind we've of heard your complaints. Stop being mean to me. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, Be mean yeah, to Stephanie so for once. Are... I'm kidding. well so you've heard our halloween episode and now we are back with a christmas episode so this is going to be a well it's mostly the the same kind of idea we're each picking a uh holiday movie the difference here is that for these ones i noticed that we each kind of picked something from our childhood sort of like with our halloween ones it was more just kind of like what's a generally spooky movie that you like yeah um so these are all christmas movies uh not even necessarily our favorite ones though actually possibly our favorite ones <laughs> uh, it's gone down a couple notches in my mind the, this is this may be the first time i've seen it as an adult we're going to okay we haven't said what movies we picked no um, i haven't stephanie picked i'm up at christmas carol mm-hmm. um the best version of a christmas carol yes uh, i agree absolutely. justin picked the original 1966 broadcast of how the grinch stole christmas mm-hmm. and i picked the original home alone Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Grinch is a short It's not a movie, film, it's a special. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> right. it's a single block of TV. But it, it you know, it, it has the beats of a movie. It's a very quick 26 minutes. Yeah, it is. It, it feels a, like it's 10 minutes long. It's a long uh, Looney Tunes short, almost. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, right, so, okay, so do we want to do chronological order like we usually do? or Why not? Yeah, so we'll go ahead and start with The Grinch. Um, so This was the first time I have seen it in a number of years. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching it, but I hadn't seen it in several years either. Um, yeah, I really, I remember really liking it as a kid. I read a shit ton of Dr. Seuss when I was little, uh, so I really liked this one. Um, 
Yeah, what about you, Justin? Um, I grew up loving this movie. This was, uh, like, the one film, quote-unquote, holiday special, whatever you want to call it, uh, that if I didn't see it that uh, Christmas season, I was upset. Um, I loved Aww. this growing up. I watched it every single year until I was about 12, maybe 13. Um, and I've only seen it a handful of times since then. Um, so it was nice coming back to it. Justin, what's your opinion on, um, you know, I had to ask, um, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas of the early 2000s, I... which we are fortunately not talking about <laughs> on this podcast. See, I thought that we should have just done an episode about all three versions of the Grinch. I mean... The Grinch mythos. I would have had to watch Illumination Studios' How the Grinch Stole Christmas, yeah, I feel but like gotten progressively also worse. Stephanie would have had to watch Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, so I, I would be willing to suffer a little to see her suffer a lot. <laughs> I enjoy it, if only because uh, Jim Carrey is an absolute madman in that movie, um, and that's fun to watch. Jim the Carrey. movie as a whole Jim doesn't Carrey. hold together for well, me. Well, <laughs> okay, we were... Well. Stephanie and I were discussing it the other night. We were and I was pretty in depth. I was surprised how much I actually had to say about it. I, a lot of it is. I'll, cheers! I'll drink to that, bro. <laughs> a lot of it is quite. Um, cringe isn't quite the word I'm looking for. That's not quite right here. I mean... But there's a lot of humor that makes you wince. Yeah. Um, there's an awful lot of innuendo, which was look all the quote unquote family yeah. comedies of the 2000s were guilty of massive amounts of innuendo like there's a key party for god's sakes um <laughs> which I about that. didn't know what that was caleb had to explain it to me i thought it just meant that everyone puts their keys in a bowl and someone watches them so no one drives drunk like at the end of the party like that's what uh the parents tell their kids <laughs> i mean that's not exactly the most kid-friendly explanation either because you still have to explain drunk driving but like i whatever anyway apparently i didn't know what that was and <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know I'm not going to go on a long tangent about this movie because we're not talking about yeah. this movie. We're trying to keep this episode short so Justin can drive home. Oh, poor Justin! <laughs> Thank you. Wait, you uh, have to drive home tonight? Yeah, it's fine. Why not just stay the night? I bring his contact stuff. Yeah, I don't have any of my contact stuff, but that's fine. Um, getting back to it. Uh, so as Caleb said, this film came out in 1966, directed by Chuck Jones, which is why it does have such a Looney Tunes uh, feel. Looney Tunes fame. Chuck Jones Makes is one of uh, my favorite uh, Looney Tunes uh, directors and animation directors. It comes through strong. Yeah. It, it feels very much like other cartoons of the time period, because there's lots of uh, jimming the camera, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> which was big at the time with cartoons. I think it's funny. Um, there are extended it. sequences of just you know, physical gags, like the whole sequence of going with the, t- riding the sled down the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's pretty long. I told Stephanie, it feels like they're like, we're at 24 minutes. Come on, we got to get to 26. Add two more minutes of gags to the sled ride. <laughs> There's so much um, like that, uh, especially in the first half when he's just like listing what the who's do um, for Christmas. So I was like, if you cut all of this physical, like drawn out physical comedy out, this special would be 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot. Uh, yeah, of just them like walking around playing musical instruments, like doing various little who things. I mean, I bet it was great to be an animator on this. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and um, uh, and I mean, the animation does look remarkably like the illustrations in the books. So, no, they did a fantastic job. Um, I think uh, animation wise and 
pretty much in general this uh this short holds up um it's stayed popular it has been adapted so many times for a reason um, right. There's not much to it, but there doesn't need to be. The, it's very simple, yeah. pure, clean, fun. And the facial expressions are actually really funny. Oh, God, like I love them. the like <laughs> even in a modern context, like some of the faces they make had me dying. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like even like little Max the dog, like <laughs> have these ridiculous faces because he's kind of like you know the sidekick, and so he has to react to all the shit that the Grinch makes him do. I don't know. It was really cute. Uh. <laughs> there were only a couple moments that made me go, "What?" Um, like the the uh, the Christmas tree ornament that drastically grows in size. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it falls off the tree and it's a normal Christmas tree ornament size, and then Cindy Lou who walks in carrying it, and it's the size of a beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> don't think about it's it. It's like forced perspective. It's to make her look smaller. <laughs> uh, so something I didn't realize because uh, I've never looked up the uh production or who uh the cast was in this uh so much talent so much talent went into this boris karloff uh the famous frankenstein's monster uh june foray legendary voice actress um and as i said chuck jones as a director for it is just uh, they were they were batting a thousand uh she is uh she's rocky and rocky and bullwinkle she was also Uh, I think she was Granny in Looney Tunes for a little bit. That was like one of the few voices that Mel Blanc didn't do. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, a lot going for it. Uh, just run through the plot real quick. Here you go. The Grinch. He's mean. <laughs> he doesn't like Christmas. He stops Whoville from having Christmas. Then he feels bad about oh, it because false. Cindy Lou Who is nice to him. <laughs> then he makes Christmas fun. End um, of false. Sort of. False. Uh, he does not steal Christmas. He steals their presents, and they have Christmas anyway. Yes, there we go. That is <laughs> which is what causes him to story. learn his lesson. Yes. The... Not Cindy Lou Who. Which, while well, we circle back around to it, um, one thing that Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas does well, I, I think it does well as an expansion of something that existed previously with very little substance to it there's not much to it so if you're gonna fill it out to two hours long you gotta you gotta figure out how you're gonna do that really and pack those sex having, jokes in there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah faces and cleavage etc cetera, etc cetera. oh yeah um but he did but yeah, I would the providing a central emotional core and emotional connection by having the grinch have a relationship and an arc with cindy lou who yeah i agree that is one of the few parts of the movie that I actually find tolerable. It's kind of cute. Right. I like it. All the lessons he learns are because of him. And she is just, I, I think it's hilarious how she's totally nonplussed by him the mm-hmm. entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It, it's kind of taking that same energy of how, like, in the, the original story, she sees, like, this disgusting green man. And she's like, like Santa? <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's Santa. Because she's just, like, she's so innocent that she has no concept of, like, an ugly person even. She's just like, aw, he's wearing the Santa outfit, so he must be Santa. Aww. Like, so, yeah, it's kind of expanding on that, like, trusting nature 
Which is sweet because it's like I, that. Like I said, that is one of the things that I think works okay in the live action version. I hate everything else. I'm just <laughs> loath entirely. <laughs> She's quoting. <laughs> it haunts her dreams. I, so I think that some great bites. standout lines. I, I think it's just that I like I can't really get into Jim Carrey's uh, like his style of comedy the way a lot of people can. It, it just freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> Just like all the faces he makes and all the weird shit he's doing with his body, I'm like, why? Well, oh, okay, so much. Let's pause for a second here, though. the 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 animated Grinch makes some crazy some faces, gnarly faces, some gnarly faces. <laughs> no other human being but Jim Carrey could have no, translated that to sure, live action. I'm like, sure have you seen the video of him in real time contorting his face to look like? Don't, um, no, I don't like who that. is it, Justin? Uh, Gran Torino. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, he also it's horrifying and amazing. He, he yeah. demonstrated yeah. his uh, Grinch face sans makeup while he was doing the um, press circuit for the Sonic movie. Um, so there's a good clip of him like making the Grinch face without all of the fur and everything, and it's just as unsettling, if not more. Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. He used to stand in front of the mirror for hours, like practicing contorting his face till he could like control like all every single muscle. Like it's insane. <laughs> That's dedication, man. On a level I will never have. <laughs> um do we do we have anything else to say about how the Grinch stole Christmas other than it's nice? Yeah, like it's, it's a cute little feature. Yeah, it just just watch it. You've seen it. I know you have. Don't lie to me. Uh, <laughs> I will good. pick this over a Rankin Bass feature every ah, time. I should have made him watch some to, Rankin Bass to, 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 to tell our audience that I have no soul. <laughs> I, I look a couple of the Rankin Bass movies are actually like really good. I think I think Rudolph is really good. I think Santa Claus is coming to town is really good. The other ones I can't really speak for, but I will say that those ones are good. So uh, I will say and as next a kid, year I'm gonna make Caleb talk about them. Uh, what, Justin? <laughs> as a kid, Rudolph was the other one I got really upset if I missed, and uh, I had what? a little stuffed Rudolph that like was only brought out <laughs> around Christmas time, and it was adorable. It, so it's actually not, good. Like, I will not, not have slander is, of Rankin Bass in this house. <laughs> yeah, not only is the animation good, but this I think the story is good. Like it's actually kind of like a like a a pretty straightforward like hero's journey type quest. I, I find it engaging. Whatever. Caleb has no taste. It's fine. We've been new. Justin, <laughs> did you know that Rankin Bass was apparently the studio behind Thundercats? I did not, but awesome. <laughs> Give me a Thundercats so, Christmas special right now. Right, appar- apparently in their last couple of uh, specials, they were frequently using voice actors from from Thundercats. Nice. <laughs> okay. Moving on. So next, would what's be... next chronologically is Home Alone, because that was released in 1990, and A Muppet Christmas Carol was 1993, I believe. Hmm. Okay. 92. 92, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Home Alone. Cue John Williams. All right. Uh, this used to be one of my favorites because what? Well. What kid? I was gonna say what kid doesn't love slapstick comedy, but I bet Stephanie didn't when she was a kid. But um, <laughs> no, in fact, I like this movie more now than I did as a kid. As a kid, I found it kind of distressing. What, what, what kid who was raised on <laughs> Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry that doesn't love slapstick comedy? So mm-hmm. I used to, I would watch this movie and like 
snore, my, like snooze my way through the first two thirds and be like, yeah, 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 let's get to the Caleb good just stuff. Just wanted to see people just get to, mangled. Yeah, no, so, different now. Those were the parts of the movie I paid no attention to this time. <laughs> so I, uh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Uh, to the point that I forgot how short the amount of time that the wet bandits are being tortured is i thought that was yeah, like the yeah. Part that's of the, the part movie. everyone really remembers <laughs> yeah um i used to watch the first three home alone movies like every year didn't even have to be christmas probably watched them all multiple times a year <laughs> i have seen home alone four i would not recommend it uh apparently it was a failed tv pilot i didn't know that Huh. Um, but hey, f- fans of French Stewart, check it out. Um, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Never seen that man in anything but Community. <laughs> Stephanie, uh, <laughs> your history with um, I actually, uh, as is the case with actually all of these things that we're talking about today, we need to make a pre-recorded what? statement about making references to community no oh i thought you were about to say you hadn't seen this movie until you met me oh no no see i actually was (laughs) that's funny both of those things come up a lot um no i actually was going to say so i actually did see this one as a kid like all the ones we're talking about tonight i actually did grow up watching it um because my parents like it um surprisingly kind of i don't know (laughs) i'm surprised the violence isn't too much for your poor mother i know (laughs) i i guess the very slapsticky kind of it's obviously still a kid's movie nature makes it uh acceptable but yeah so uh we did grow up uh watching this around i think usually around christmas yeah um (laughs) as a kid i was generally pretty bored by the first half and pretty freaked out by the second half. (laughs) Not a great combination. Um, Which is kind of how I felt about Jurassic Park, but weirdly, Jurassic Park uh, freaked me out less than this. Uh, (laughs) I actually kind of liked it. Uh, Whereas this one, I was like... I The only parts that I really liked were the parts of just like kevin like fucking around at home just like by himself i was like this is fun i'm a kid i would like to do this (laughs) like um all the other parts like all the stuff with like the mom and like with i don't know the old man and then like the bandits i was (laughs) like i don't really know why this is happening and then when they then when they start you know when he starts uh sawing them <laughs> the saw franchising them uh that's when i start to get really freaked out and i didn't really like it as a kid didn't bother me as much now but at the time you know but anyway so after rewatching it this time i i don't know i i really enjoyed it i think the script is really good um you know the little macaulay culkin obviously does a great job um yeah, no, I I actually appreciate it a lot more this time. I'm still not the biggest fan of slapstick violence. It's just not really my thing. <laughs> but I, you know, I'll allow it. It's fine. <laughs> so this is another one um, where the cast and crew is firing on all cylinders. Uh, we got uh, a small appearance from John Candy, who I am always so happy to see. Um Catherine O'Hara is a treasure. I love her so much. Pesci and Daniel Stern do great. Uh, as Stephanie mentioned, Macaulay Culkin, surprisingly great as a child actor <laughs> in this. Um, and I had no idea until this viewing that this was a written 
by John Hughes. You might know John Hughes from inventing the 80s. Yeah, you might know John Hughes, yeah. Yeah, this is a John Hughes movie, man. It takes place in the same place that all these movies do, so... <laughs> Stephanie has actually been to this neighborhood and seen this house in person. I have. Oh, wow. It sure is a house. <laughs> uh, it, it's No, it's a really nice neighborhood, though, in the, like, Chicago area. Just, like, driving through it, I was like, I don't know if I should, like, be here. <laughs> I feel like I don't really fit in here. This is weird. Um, and that's the thing. It's It's kind of funny because it's, like... Well, I guess it makes sense that the the bandits would try to rob them because their family is obviously loaded. Like, they're going to Paris on vacation. They live in this fancy-ass house. Like, they have a a million people just, like, all going on this trip together. Um, But, yeah, no, it's a really nice place. Um, I don't know. I liked the house. I was like, from the outside, it doesn't look like much, but I like the inside of it (laughs) with all the (laughs) 90s wallpaper and everything. Um... Yeah, that's that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> all right. I have several thoughts on this movie. I hope I can remember them all as I move through them. Uh, one, I'm sure this has been pointed out before, but the plot, the entire plot of this movie revolves around an entire family being unreasonably mean to an eight-year-old. The uh, yeah. It makes sense... Uh, that the other kids are being shitty because that's what families are like. Uh, but the adults are so unreasonably mean <laughs> to Kevin, uh, especially yes. the uncle. <laughs> I when he called him like a twerp or something, and n- neither of his parents said anything. I was like shocked. I was like, I don't even care if my kid was being a twerp, like or what a jerk, jerk or jerk. Yeah, like I, they could be being a jerk, but like you're not gonna like stand there and call my kid a jerk like in front of me, or we're gonna throw down. Like no, the- <laughs> she. They both agree. Everyone agreed with him. Yeah, it was wild, and he wasn't even, I mean, it's not like he was being even bratty, he was just, like, being a normal kid, and his parents are like, yeah, we're just gonna sit here and let you, like, talk shit to this eight-year-old, like, who's our son, and it's fine. Like, (laughs) me and Uncle What's-His-Fuck would have been having some, (laughs) we would have been having a conversation. Oh, no, absolutely, I I would have thrown hands with that man before that point happened. Well, yeah, exactly, that was just absolutely wild to me. Yeah, (laughs) I, I, like, uh, in addition, like, First of all, like, I get that kids are jerks, but, like, you know, like, he's not really being obtrusive. He's just kind of walking around being a normal kid. Yeah, he's not really drawing Kevin's attention to Kevin's a little annoying. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's and only annoying when he opens we, his mouth. We all have relatives who, like, we can't stand because they're annoying. But even if my most disliked, most annoying cousin came up to me and was like, can you help me pack my suitcase? I'd be like, is there nobody else that can help you? And when he said no, I'd be like... All right, let's go. Let's go pack your yeah, suitcase. Yeah, because he's like, like what? Because he's an eight-year-old. Like an eight-year-old might be annoying, but you're not just gonna treat them like shit because they're <laughs> still a child. It's, yeah, it's it's insane. And the most insane part about it is that it's then framed like this naughty, naughty little eight-year-old is gonna regret wishing he didn't have this family, <laughs> despite the fact that they are all shitty to him, like down to a man, like. It, <laughs> It, 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 I don't know. It's just kind of funny. And I get that they also frame it the other way. Like, oh, his mom has to, like, you know, she has to have her redemption arc, too. But it is kind of funny because it's, like, the mom is the only one who, like, gives a shit about getting back to him. You ever notice that? Like, even his own father is, like, uh, 
you yeah, know, the dad's just like, he'll be, he'll be fine. Let's go to, the, let's go to my brother's place. Yeah, typical eighties mm. dad. Um, uh, the fact that like he leaves her alone at the airport to wait. And... It, it, <laughs> at like, this, dude. The, no one in this movie acts like a human. No, dad said. I can't. I flew to Paris for vacation. I'm gonna go have my vacation. He does not give a fuck about his eight year old son. It's, it's wild. Oh, it drives me insane that this movie pulls a um, uh, the fact that the mom goes on this odyssey to try and get back to her son as soon as possible, and then the rest of the family pulls up two minutes later, yep. just totally invalidating all of the struggle that she went through, like, showing the audience, like, haha, it was pointless, she should have just waited. I I think it's supposed to be more like... It's supposed to be luck, Providence, you know, it, she made it, it back, and now he yes. can be great. He's grateful for his whole family, I get it, and but it also... demonstrating her dedication, you know, Yeah, like... I still feel like having them... They should have had at least, like, a single night to, like, hang out together and he could make them a pot of mac and cheese or something. No, I agree. I also (laughs) don't really know what the point of the family coming back is because they, as far as I'm concerned, they did not redeem themselves like the mom did, but, like, the family didn't No, yeah, so she deserved a little bit of quality time (laughs) with her son. Yeah, exactly. More than the two minutes that they got. Yeah. It is kind of a hard (laughs) switch that, like, everyone was being so mean to him for doing nothing, but when they get back early from their vacation because of him they're like oh cool you didn't burn the oh, house yeah. down if, bud if, we're best friends now. <laughs> right if i was already kind of being a dick to my little cousin and then he made me miss my paris vacation uh <laughs> i would be the worst dick to him that you have ever seen like it would there would not be some kind of cute little switch flipped there like i would start down the dark path like hardcore <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's whatever. The importance of family, it's, I guess it's fine. Uh, like, I, I still think they're shitty, but whatever. I get. I mean, that's, like, kind of a theme of the movie, right? Because he also, like, helps the old man, which is much... That one makes a lot more sense to me. Yes. <laughs> Partially because we don't see as much of it. But. Right. That, that scene with uh, him and the old man in the church was way more, like, uh, emotionally dense than I remember. This yes. Oh, I didn't ever. get I'm any gonna... of that as a kid. Do you mind if we loop back around to that? Because I uh, have yeah. some other stuff I want to say about that, but I wanted to get my final negative thought out of the way uh, before I moved on to the good stuff. Sure. Every single person in this movie is a narc. <laughs> 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 they are all snitches. The movie opens with Kevin being like, Uncle so-and-so won't let me watch the movie. And then, like, it just goes on from there. His brother's like, hey, that guy's a serial killer. And then, like, uh, the 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 lady at the, the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Six th- he, he, he ends up accidentally wild. stealing a toothbrush. The lady sicks this other employee on him. And then that employee calls the cops on the Kevin. And I'm like, he's an eight-year-old with a toothbrush. Do we really need to get the police involved? It's, I, I know. It's... <laughs> I'm sorry your store is losing 35 cents. It would have made more sense if they had him, like, kind of, like, obliviously steal something a lot more expensive. Like, but it's a toothbrush, and so it's just, like, is this supposed to be cute or funny? I'm just, like, feeling hatred of everyone involved here. <laughs> like, like, and also kind of disbelief. I just don't know if in this kind of affluent neighborhood... A, like a cute little white kid is gonna get the cops called on him for stealing a toothbrush. Oh, he gets grilled when he goes to the grocery store and the, the uh, he goes to pay for his groceries and the, the cashier is asking about his mom. 
Everyone's yeah, a narc. Everyone is grilling. I don't know. I do like that scene where he's just like reading the magazine and it's just very yeah. like calm and collected with his answers. <laughs> Where's your mom? She's in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see that that kind of stuff is like almost like funnier now to watch as an adult because when you're a kid, you're just like it's a person going around doing stuff. Like it, it's funny how Kevin gets treated when he's around his family versus how you see him behave when his family's not there. Cause like, I don't know yeah. if it was a switch that had quite flipped and he was like, I have to be mature now. Yeah. Or if he actually really is just a nice kid and he has to act out because his family are horrible to him. Because That's like when he goes to buy a toothbrush, he's like, is this approved by the American dental association? <laughs> and they have to like, I don't, I don't know. Kevin's just trying to, you know, yeah. he's doing good dental hygiene and he's, buying himself groceries that's and... true it's like he it, the switch does flip from being like really kind of childish and like um you know i mean in a normal way like behaving like a normal eight-year-old to like trying really hard to be like a big man you know <laughs> uh i guess that makes sense i'm just saying i i wonder if it's like how much of it was the switch being flipped and how much of it was actually like kevin's always been a good yeah. kid it's just the circumstances of being around his family that force him to act out well i'm very anti his family so i'm gonna go with that one fuck um okay nice things the let's circle back around to what we were talking about like right some actual emotional core of this movie okay last week there was a, a very relevant tweet from at jordan a favorite podcaster and film reviewer has yeah. mine if anyone wants to call um, her <laughs> Where was that a joke or not? No, no, it actually is. Like okay. I, I listen to her her podcast and I follow her on Twitter. She's like got some really great insights on movies and stuff that I like. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> this was her first time watching Home Alone, apparently. So uh, she said the way that people have written about Kevin McAllister over the years, you would think he was a monster. But the best scenes in both Home Alone one and two happen in churches where he gives genuinely kind advice to nice old people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so much of that goes over your head as a kid, I guess. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't it, even remember the scenes. <laughs> right, and it's such a like weirdly emotionally mature problem that a kid like almost literally couldn't relate to just by virtue of like the circumstances that a kid has to live in because the guy's problem is that, you know, like he and his son aren't speaking, like they're estranged. That's a difficult situation for a kid to ever end up in because, you know, when you're a kid, you have to live with... Mm-hmm either your parents or whoever your guardian is like but for two adults who you know maybe were parent and child at one point but now are are both kind of on the same level uh that can that can turn very differently as we know and so i think it that's the kind of thing when you watch it as a kid you're like huh i vaguely gather that this old man is not happy and kevin (laughs) is going to help like oh and now everyone's happy but now when you watch it, you're like, oof, <laughs> this, this really hits different. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that they have this beautiful uh, conversation and Kevin gives him some genuinely good advice about um, dealing with his family issues. And then this inspires Kevin to murder. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He was prepared for the murder before this. This was just him doing his freaking... Um, boondock saints you know <laughs> going to church before he commits a couple homicides did i reference the right movie or is it reservoir dogs or is oh, it God. i don't know I mean, I you get, it's close enough you got it you got it 
Okay, cool. Okay, Boondock Saints has um, saints in the title. It must have something to do with religion, right? And then there's Pulp Fiction. I don't... Oh. They use fake Bible verses. I, oh, yeah. What was the point of... You know, that's fine. We'll talk about Pulp Fiction <laughs> at some point, I'm sure. Um... As a kid, I used to find his mom really annoying, and I'd be like, ugh, scenes with the mom. Um, (laughs) Much more tolerable now. She's less annoying than other members of the family, which isn't saying much. Right. She is a woman who is frustrated by her circumstances. Yeah. So she's not just, like, an overbearing mother figure. I'm sorry. Sorry to circle back to hating on the dad, like, but he's such a blob of nothing. Like, he is, like, (laughs) not stepping up. He is, like, not really doing his job. He's just kind of like, oh, whatever. It'll be fine. Like, he is not parenting his children. Yeah, not... He is, like... (laughs) Not to get all um, Freud up in here, but um, I, I, I postulate that Buzz would not turn out have turned out the way he uh, he did if the their father had been a more active oh, in their childhood. Oh, Christ, childhoods. no. Like, that, that kid is on a one-way ticket to the, <laughs> the toxic masculinity stage. I thought you were going to say to Juvenile Hall. Oh, my God. I wasn't going to go that far. He didn't seem too criminally in, intent. He didn't seem to have too much direct criminal intent, but... He did just seem to have, like, a weird shitty attitude and, like, I don't know, just, like, obviously making up, like, outlandish stories about the nice old man who lives next door. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. I, uh, Buzz's room. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you guys noticed the light switch on his wall, but it bothered me to no end every time I saw it. What uh, is it? it? It is, like, a little monster-looking thing, and the light switches are its nipples. What? It's what? like a little monster silhouette, and the uh, the light switches are placed exactly like in the middle of where BRB would be. Gonna go, <laughs> gonna go I... look for monster nipple f- uh, room switch. Or well, room we'll covers. screenshot it and post it on Twitter or something. I am sad that I can't remember seeing that. I'm insanely curious now. Uh... <laughs> um, more, more nice things. We've got uh, Christopher Columbus and John Williams. The they would go on to be the fucking harry potter powerhouses on the first two movies that's true that's true yeah the score is good it's it's very john williamsy like mm-hmm. that's just like certain john williams themes that you're like that sounds like there would be ewoks the, yeah that's how <laughs> that's i found out that's how stephanie like identifies john williams music when we were watching this movie ewoks well, walking around <laughs> It's probably John Williams. <laughs> okay, to be fair, the the main theme is not an Ewoky theme. It, it's um actually John Williams' main themes are a little harder for me to identify than his little like uh, so jaunty incidental yeah, like, stuff. Whatever those are. Yeah, jaunty. That's a good. You know word what? Now that you think about jaunty. it, there's a there's a song that's uh, there's a Harry Potter song that does sound remarkably like an Ewok exactly, song. Exactly, exactly. The, it's the, oh, I had it and then I lost it as soon as I said the sentence. Right, they're jaunty little, uh, melodically complex, uh, fluty type. It's a thing. It's a thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, the score's good. Um, I have to say, honestly, like it's kind of weird to. Like, all the stuff that he does with the, the Wet Bandits, I kind of don't really understand what the point of it is. Like, what are we learning about him as a character? Are we learning that he can, like, take care of himself? But if that's the case, then I thought the lesson was that he needed his family in the end, or, like... 
Things can it have was... multiple meanings. I, I, thank you, Caleb. Thank you for explaining <laughs> the concept of film to me. I appreciate it. I just don't know what those meanings are. Yeah, it like because there's uh, there's a line of like uh, him learning to conquer his fears, but that doesn't really pay off any in any way. Because he goes yeah. from being like terrified of the wet bandits to like outsmarting them and being completely nonplussed by their presence, like real quick. Right. It's also interesting because it's like, despite all his little attempts, even when everything goes right, like they do end up catching him and he's only, he only ends up being saved by, you know, the old man who he befriended. So maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is that like, gather allies so that you can beat the boss in the end. (laughs) No, the point is no man is an Island and that everyone needs their community. Like, and also and, have a friend with a big shovel at all times. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, and it, yeah, and it's like he he was saved in the end because he reached out to someone and showed them them kindness. Like instead of um, instead of isolating himself and just trying to take care of himself, like he had been doing initially, he tried to reach out to another human being. And because of the the friendship that he made, that's what ended up saving him in the end. It feels a little weird to say all of this because it's like, thank God we taught this eight-year-old that lesson about, like, you can't rely on yourself too much or I don't know. I thought the lesson was you can't trust cops. Yeah, well, that's a good lesson for anything. They call the cops and send them to the house. That's true. And he bangs on the door and he's like, eh, guess no one's home. Yeah. Oh, also, at no point. Did it show the family trying to call the house? Yeah, that like they ring right. a bunch this of phones. They call all the phones. neighbors. They call all the family members. But like, I don't yeah. remember them ever calling the, the house. Uh, they, they make a reference an to the their phone line. Being the lines are down. Right, that specifically yeah. happens during uh, the night. There was a storm that put out the okay. phone lines. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Sure. <laughs> that still doesn't excuse the cop going to the house where he knows yeah. that a child is there and a child might <laughs> not come to the door. Lazy half-assed attempt knocked on the front door. Oh well, I tried. I know it's ridiculous. Uh, I can't. I would oh. be so mad. In the in the opening of the movie, speaking of cops, when uh, Harry is disguised as a police officer, like uh-huh. checking on the neighborhood, I bet that has actually worked somewhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when are you guys gonna be gone? <laughs> From when making sure when? you guys are being safe. It's the holidays. Yeah, <laughs> and he asked about the security systems too. That was that was not That's... that was pretty smart. I gotta say, they totally fell for it. I mean, how are you not supposed to fall for it? I guess. Like, if someone flashes you a badge and has a convincing-looking uniform. Yeah, uniform will get you in a lot of places. Yep. Uh, uh, safety. All you need is a safety vest, a hard hat, and a clipboard to get in most places. <laughs> like, no lie. That's the premise of a lot of, of, of heist movies and stuff. Do we have anything else to say about Home Alone? Like it's it. also fun. Watch it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sequel's pretty good too. Yes, it's pretty fun. That one's a lot more brutal though. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like I, that aspect of it, but I like all the other stuff. I remember next to nothing about Lost in New York. Um, I remembered some stuff about this, but I, I think I've only seen Home Alone two like two times in my entire life, and I was very oh. young. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked that one as a kid. You've never seen Home Alone three, have you? 
No, I haven't seen three. That one involves Russian spies. (laughs) Shark jumped. And in case, have you not seen it, Justin? Not that I remember now. It has Russian spies and young Scarlett Johansson. Oh God! How old was she at the time? She was like I don't know. She was a teenager, maybe fifteen. That's funny. When <laughs> I was completely, there were several actors whose existence of I was com- like whose existence I was completely unaware of until the Marvel movies. <laughs> Two of them being Mar- Mark Ruffalo and Scarlett Johansson. This guy. So when Scarlett Johansson appeared as Black Widow, I was like, "Is that the girl from Home Alone?" Oh. Like Alone <laughs> <laughs> Three. <laughs> We watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and I was like, is that Mark Ruffalo? I don't think he existed before 2012. (laughs) He just emerged fully formed. Yeah, as Bruce Banner. Some people. (laughs) Moving on. (sighs) A Muppet Christmas Carol. All right. The Muppet version of anything is the best version of that thing. It goes without saying. God, can we talk about how many versions of A Christmas Carol there are? Like, how many movies there are? I, it's, okay, I I can definitely, I know there are at least four. I want to say four. You've got multiple black and white versions, which I can't name. You've got A Muppet Christmas Carol. You've got A Christmas Carol that horrifying animated version with Jim Carrey. You've got a Flintstones Christmas Carol. The list goes on. It's such a popular story, which is interesting. I think it's, for one thing, I mean, obviously Charles Dickens is a very prolific writer, but it's also, I feel like, it's a very easy story to tell because it has, like, a, more or less a small cast of, of principal characters. Small cast, clearly defined plot and right, themes. Right. Very easy to get uh, have to take some creative liberties with it. Yes, make it different. I think that is also a big aspect of it. Um, even the uh, animated Jim Carrey one, which I, I feel like I need to rewatch per- for posterity's sake. Um, even though the animation is only slightly less horrifying than the Polar Express, it's horrifying. Uh, yeah, I, nightmare I, inducing. It's it's, <laughs> it's fuck it's fuck ugly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the <laughs> just the same, just the same. I, I still need to watch it because I I don't know. I really love this story. Um, which I guess a lot of people do. It's why it's been adapted so many times. You know, something I was thinking of, like, talking about these movies is that it's kind of interesting how each of these is, like, a redemption story in a way. Home Alone, like, less so, but um, that aspect is still there for sure, for, like, multiple characters, in fact. But um, How how the Grinch Stole Christmas and A Christmas Carol are fairly straightforward. They're the same story. Yeah, they they are, (laughs) which is so interesting to me it's like this little christmas monomyth that we have <laughs> like um the the christmas myth i don't know uh we'll workshop it uh, yeah <laughs> and christmas yeah yeah the christmas <laughs> merry christmas um but yeah this kind of like story of some like a a bitter lonely person who do, who is kind of cut off from any form of warmth in their life and just doesn't want anyone else to be happy. And then of course, you know, there's the cheesy idea that like the spirit of Christmas is so infectious at some point that it can like transform a person into someone who does appreciate warmth and does appreciate community. Um which which is fascinating to me. You know, I think there there's something in that. Um like 
you know, the, the, the Western, uh, the Western redemption story is something I've had a lot of issues with <laughs> and will address at some point. Um, but I, I do really like these ones because they allow for atonement. Yes, they do. They, uh, one of my big complaints with, uh, I don't know what to call it, so I'm just going to call it the Western concept of redemption, which we will get into in the next episode. Spoiler oh, alert. Lord, I forgot what the next episode yep, was. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Lest no. we forget, <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing it up so you don't forget. Um, and you can gird your loins. I have to watch that cursed movie again. <laughs> yes, you do. We're going to talk about it. Um, but anyway, a big problem I have with it is that it kind of presents it as sort of like a, a deathbed confession kind of thing, like... You know, you turn your life around, but then you have to die immediately afterward. It's this very Christian concept of, like, mm -hmm. well, if you just get saved before you die, you go to heaven. Uh, what I like about these stories is they actually show a person, like, uh, not only transforming and redeeming themselves, but then getting to go on and become part of the community that they were not part of before. Yes. Um, which is it's such a... Nice. Yeah, which is such it's a much nice more satisfying. Right, and it's a nice message to give people. Like, and if you turn things around, you don't actually have to die for your past sins. You can, <laughs> in fact, reintegrate right. with society. Right. <laughs> if this movie ended, uh, or the story in general ended with Scrooge cho uh, choking on that uh, <laughs> feast that he was having and oh dying, would have been a different tone. <laughs> Oh my god. No, no. If it was if it was the way a lot of redemption narratives are now, it would be like while he was talking to the ghost of Christmas Future, he was like, "Oh no, I I have to die for my sins, but please give all my money to the poor after I'm dead." And then he just fucking just croaks. And the and you know, the poor get his money and no one mentions his name ever again. Like, there you go. That's that's the big redemption. No, his his he his name goes on to mean something. It, it change, like he is already well known, and there is already a a uh, reputation. Mm. <laughs> reputation. His name has a reputation, and yes. he gets to he gets to change what that he means. He gets to redeem his name. It's very the crucible. Um. Anyway, so we we've already talked about the big <laughs> themes of the story. So let's talk about the actual story itself. Uh, first of all, uh, I guess experiences. Uh, this is one of those rare circumstances where, despite me being a big Muppet fan, uh, I had not seen this movie until Stephanie made me watch it like two years ago. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, finally we got to flip that script. <laughs> um, I have seen this uh quite a few times uh throughout my life. It's it's. Uh, Christmas staple. Um, yeah, I started watching this movie almost yearly. I would say, as a kid, because my mom really loves it, um, and so we would watch it a lot. Um, and I, I started to really like it too. Like I, I saw this before I saw any of the other versions, and before I, you know, read the original source material. Um, yeah, and, and I think this was actually the first Muppet thing I ever really saw, because I didn't really grow up watching that many Muppet things, but I did see this one quite a bit, um, and I always really liked it, um, I don't know, the, I like the humor, I like the songs, um, I think Michael Caine does a great job, uh, mm -hmm. playing it completely straight, like yes. literally never oh reacts to the Muppets like being Muppets. <laughs> it 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 would have been so easy for them to get someone who was just like as cartoony 
uh, as the characters around him. Right. And all of the Muppet movies do such a good job of, like, resisting that urge and having yes. the humans be uh, fairly normal. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island, notwithstanding, Tim Curry is <laughs> insane. Tim in Curry is an exception <laughs> because he is allowed to do whatever he wants and chew whatever scenery he wants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, My man can uh, chew. So I talked about the crew on the last two movies. I'll briefly talk about it here. Uh, it's Michael Caine being fantastic, and it's the Muppets being fantastic. Uh, directed <laughs> by Brian Henson, which if you like uh, the Muppets in the 90s, you can thank him for it. <laughs> um, was he related to Jim Henson? I don't know He's that much son. about it. Okay, yes. makes sense. Makes sense. Um, he directed this and Muppet Treasure Island and uh, did performances and like everything else the Muppets That's did. Cool. Uh, I mean, these... Those are the two best Muppet movies, as far as I'm concerned. I'm inclined to agree. I do I like love... the one from 2011, 2012, whatever it is. It's just called the Muppet movie. Yeah. I like yeah. That one. And then I like the the original uh, Muppet movie as well. See, I have I a actually sin to confess. I have also never seen the original. They, no, if you like the these, ones. you'll like those. It's the Muppets. It doesn't really. The formula doesn't change too much. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, the um, let's see, uh, story. I think having Muppets here helps mm. serve the story. Having the Jim Henson yes. creature studio behind the ghosts, um, is great. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna subtract a point for the Ghost of Christmas, uh, future. No, the Ghost of Christmas Past, past. because good God, what horrifying. a horrifying doll thing. You uh, know what's funny? I would. It didn't scare me at all as a kid. In fact, I thought it was kind of cute. I was like, oh, a little doll. Now I'm like, what the fuck is that thing? Yep. Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> it's funny. I close how my eyes and I see its face. <laughs> yep. What I don't understand is why they didn't just have a Muppet be that character. Like, it, or even just design a new Muppet for it. Like, why have it be this weird CGI monstrosity little thing? You know? yeah, none of the none of the ghosts are like um, regular, Muppets, like regular Muppet Muppets, regulars. Yeah. Uh, Statler and Waldorf uh, are the only the ones who get to be ghosts. <laughs> well, Which... yes, the... Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of Christmas Present is still like a puppet. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm go- I was going to give a point back for the ghost of Christmas Present because that's an impressive yes. piece of puppetry. There's obviously a man in the suit, but how is he moving the mouth? And both of the arms at the same time. That's is there somebody else in there with magic. him? Yeah. Um, and as far as the the ghost of Christmas yet to come goes, I understand why they wouldn't want that to look too muppety because they it needs to have that intimidating aura. Right. They can't they can't pull a a, a Hanna Barbera and make Dino be the ghost of Christmas future. <laughs> God no. But in the case of Ghost of Christmas Past. That's supposed to be not a, like not a super scary spirit. It's supposed to look ethereal, so you still want to put that little like white glow around it yes. or something. But I think it could still be a Muppet. It, it should have been a bit more Muppety and a bit less porcelain dolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a non-corporeal porcelain doll, which is the most horrifying thing I've ever said. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, I was telling Stephanie this may be the first time they've ever had to give Statler and Waldorf legs. <laughs> Yeah. Ironically, because they're ghosts. <laughs> Why would ghosts need legs? 
um, I really love that whole sequence. It's really good. Um, so as a kid, I was so interested in like spooky shit, like scary stuff, but I was never allowed to like read or watch any of it, obviously. And so I was like any chance to read like a ghost story or something I could get my hands on. I d- absolutely would. And I think this movie was the first time I ever saw like spooky stuff on screen where i was genuinely like i'm a little creeped out right now and i love yeah, it <laughs> this this scene perfectly walks the line between um muppet humor and actually pretty spooky i think it's actually a little unsettling yeah. like the very early stage like after after the marley's appear it's all kind of like okay we get it it's like we know what's going on, but before you know what's going on, it's I think it's a little freaky, especially for a kid's movie. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, I love the line, leave the comedy to the bears. <laughs> because <laughs> because Fozzie. Um, mm-hmm. There's more of gravy than grave about you, but that's probably That's originally actually from in the... <laughs> the original text, I'm pretty sure. If I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> um, Statler and Waldorf are some of my favorite favorite muppets um speaking so of speaking of favorite muppets um i gotta detract a point from this movie for not sending beaker flying or crashing through something why do you want to hurt my man that's his job okay <laughs> that's what he, he is he is dr bunsen honeydew's crash live living crash test dummy okay <laughs> um beaker. so like when Scrooge is yelling at them I think he should have like grabbed Beaker by the throat and like thrown him through the door or something like Beaker's gotta go flying through something alright <laughs> I'm sorry oh my God. give my man a break yeah he's trying to collect <laughs> donations it. for the poor Caleb God. um yeah so um yeah I think another thing this movie does really well that I, I think a lot of the Muppet movies do well is just kind of like seamlessly incorporating Muppets into yes. the real world. Like, they're just kind of there. No one really bats yep. an eye they, at it. They make great additions to, like, the streets of London. Oh, yeah, they they make them all dingy-looking, put them in some brown and black. Like, yeah, they really make them look appropriate for Charles Dickens' Air London. Um, and it really works. Like, it, it gets so immersive that after a while you don't even really react to it. You're just like, oh, yeah, there's, there's Muppets uh, walking around. <laughs> um, I... I have two thoughts, and it requires the second one requires setup about something we haven't addressed. Mm. Um, okay. The great Gonzo is <laughs> Charles Dickens, and he this. is there throughout the movie narrating the story. Um, you know, traveling there with with Scrooge, but not being like noticed or interacted <laughs> with by Scrooge. Yeah. It's... Um, and of course, uh, Rizzo is there to heckle him. Um, because Rizzo is the best heckler of all time. I love their little dynamic in this movie. They're so great, and I love that Gonzo, he is Gonzo, and Rizzo calls him Gonzo at least once, but he's like, no, I'm Charles Dickens. This is how it's going to go. Like, Gonzo's trying to keep it on track, and Rizzo just does not care. Yeah, yeah, so he's funny. not playing his game. He's like, yeah, blue furry Charles Dickens who hangs out with a rat. I was hoping we could pause right there, and I could try and find one of my favorite uh, lines from the moment when he's first setting up that he's Charles Dickens. Sure. Pausing. Oh, Stretchy. all of the lines in the song are double spaced, so it's like really long. Wow. Oh, you know what? Find in page Dickens. 
guys can talk. Oh, well, since we're not recording, I just wasn't sure if we, or what, we, since we're recording, but we're not, like, recording, recording. I wasn't sure what we <laughs> We cut there for a moment because I was trying to find one of my favorite lines from the movie, but I couldn't find it. It was just one about something, something about how the narrator or the author is omniscient. I don't, I don't oh, remember gosh. what it was. Uh... Gonzo had a great line, if I can find it. I know. I'll add it in. I, Alas. Yeah, the <laughs> the way this movie plays so fast and loose with whether or not they're actually present in the story's reality is yes. pretty hilarious to yes. me. Oh, that leads me right into the second thought that I had to set up with this one. Uh, Sam the Eagle as the school teacher, and he says, it is the American way. And, <laughs> and Gonzo leans in and whispers in his ear. And he's like, oh, it is the British way. <laughs> <laughs> and he's clearly not British. Like, he clearly is. Yes, he's just Sam the Eagle. <laughs> yeah. Such a good joke. Exactly. Right, and it's like a great a great example of incorporating the audience's knowledge of a character without taking away from the story, you know? Yeah. It's like to make a joke. Um, which they do with a lot of the characters, to be fair. Mm. And it's the yeah, it's this nice little interweaving of like some of the characters are played by humans, some of them are played by Muppets. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, gosh, let's see what else. I this was I actually took notes for this one. Um, oh, but I did not take fancy. notes for any of these. I, uh, well, <laughs> I was feeling I, lazy. I didn't really take many notes for the other two, to be honest. But I did take some for this one. Um. This is a relaxed episode, so. <laughs> yes. Not very many, though. Um, and a lot of them we've already touched on. <laughs> I just have one that says, my frog and rats are unionizing, and I don't know what the context is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yes, it, it's where... <laughs> It's just when um, when Kermit and all the rats who work for Scrooge are going and asking for the for Christmas Day right, off. And right. I was just like, this is a funny tableau here. Uh, because all his employees are Muppets. Yes. Um, I guess Muppets are like second class citizens here. Oof. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, gosh, what else? I don't know. Uh, we Robin, who is famously Kermit's nephew, playing his son. I always forget that his name's Robin because see, I haven't like seen him in anything else. I haven't seen that much Muppet stuff. Um, so I kind of, as a kid, I guess I assumed they were just like, okay, Kermit and Miss Piggy have kids. The boys are frogs and the pigs are girls, so that we don't have to get into weird like, what would a hybrid <laughs> frog and pig look like? A monstrosity, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a crime against nature. That's what the the ghost of Christmas yet to come is under that <laughs> under that cloak. <laughs> Something horrible. I have to say, uh, uh, I've referenced that I uh, tear up pretty easy in movies oh, these man. days. And oh. when Kermit comes home without his son and they're just oh, talking man. about their dead kid, I was like, stop making me feel things, Muppet that movie. <laughs> weirdly depressing for, I mean, it obviously makes sense, like, given the source material, but, like, for a Muppet movie, like, a kid's movie, and he's like, oh, yeah, the place where he's buried, it's, like, it's next to the church. I think he would have liked it. And it's like, ducks swimming well, I know, and I was like, oh. what? <laughs> Let's, let's take a moment to appreciate the strange thing that is Muppets, because 
Kermit the Frog, in and of himself, can be hilarious, like flailing, or literally just shaking the puppet and having his arms flailing around, and him angrily <laughs> screaming about his, how incompetent his insubordinate his subordinates are. But also, like, have you tearing up at him talking about how his dead son will be happy because he could see the ducks swimming on the river? Oh my God. <laughs> I. Highly recommend everyone go watch the uh, defunct TV uh, Muppet series uh, on YouTube. Yes. Um, defunct Land, uh, that YouTube channel did a whole, I think it's a four, maybe five part series about uh, Jim Henson and the Muppets. And it is Excellent. one of the best documentaries I have oh. seen, uh, especially about entertainment in a while. Well, Highly I need to watch that then, gee. Yeah, um, Kevin Perger does excellent work. Uh, yeah, I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah, and it's weird that I grew up loving this movie so much, and it's, like, my favorite Christmas movie now, like, but I really am not that well acquainted with the Muppet stuff. Um, I just think the combination works so well for the, for this movie, and I, um, I don't know, I'm an appreciator of Charles Dickens anyways, like, I, I really appreciate the way some of his language shines through in this even in this movie, uh, you know, yeah. they, they use a lot of the text, like even Gonzo, like because he's Charles Dickens <laughs> and he's narrating it, um, it, kind of using a lot of that that really poignant language um, that is that is there in the original story. Um, and you also kind of begin to be struck by some of the sort of like proto-socialist messages um, mm-hmm. that Charles Dickens, I guess, is famous for popularizing because you know the the England of his day was kind of, I don't even want to say capitalist because it wasn't like there was like a big thriving economy. It was just like an every man for himself, the opposite of socialist hellhole. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) there was like a huge poverty problem, especially in like the big cities and like pretty much fuck all was being done about it, at least by people with any real power. Like obviously there were, as is mentioned in the text, like well-meaning people who were trying to, organized charities to try to do what they could right. for people but like systemically it was no. kind of horrific and then in the, in the end scrooge learns his le- lesson and t- <laughs> takes direct action and right. helps his fellow man <laughs> right <laughs> it, i i kind of laugh whatever in one of the songs they say something about spreading the wealth that i'm just like oh no the commies have infiltrated the muffins <laughs> sam's <laughs> not going to be happy yeah but that's the whole point like the whole point is that he is hoarding his wealth and he is exploiting his workers. And that's kind of, I think, something that shouldn't be lost in the conversation. Like, you know, obviously because it's a kid's movie, a big part of the stuff they emphasize is that, you know, he's a mean old man who doesn't like Christmas. Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. totally fair. It's for kids. Um, that's going to be part of it. But that's not what makes him, like, a bad guy. He's not bad because he doesn't want to celebrate a holiday. He's bad because his dislike of the holiday is re- holiday is representative of his contempt for his fellow man. And mm-hmm. um, and so <laughs> I think that's an, an important part of the conversation. Um, and, and just the fact that, you know, he goes from... well his friendship with the marley's they pretty explicitly are like talking about evicting people like evicting an entire orphanage it's kind of funny but like they like laugh about it and then they're like oh i can still hear their cries oh yeah 
exactly. Right, uh, and, and I mean, you see Scrooge is evicting people, too, so it's like he's pretty obviously going down that path, and... <laughs> what, what was, uh, he, he said, prepare the eviction notices for tomorrow, and Kermit says, but sir, it's Christmas tomorrow. <laughs> he says something along the lines of, like, gift wrap them yeah. then. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the cold-heartedest bitch. Uh, Kermit said, sure, the wealth, comrade. <laughs> The landlords will be the first to go, Mr. Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) Kill the bourgeoisie, waka waka. Oh my god. Yes, I think I think we've basically gotten to the spirit of 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 this movie and what Charles Dickens would really want us to take away. More like the spirits. I know. Apparently, even the the uh, the 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 spirits, even the other dimensions, are on the side of the the proletariat. Can I just say what a what a great name the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come is? Like, I know. Charles that's Dickens wrote. Shit. He wrote down a list. He was like the Ghost of Christmas Future. No, that's the not good enough. Ghost of Christmas <laughs> Yet to Come. Right, and I like that because it even even textually that sort of uncertainty is referenced. Like Yet to Come can mean either it just it is going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet, or it can mean this thing is on its way, but it isn't here yet, so it can possibly be diverted. Mm. Um. Now we're getting into timelines. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, that is kind of something that the text just does kind of indicate. Like, <sighs> yeah, the 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 ghosts basically show him diverging points in his timeline. If you Ooh. want to get science fiction about hey, it, it is kind yeah, of a time c- travel story. In the in the graveyard, uh, Scrooge is asking him if this is like is it set in stone or if it can be changed mm-hmm. and yep, then he gets exactly. determined that he is going to change it. Um, just right. Real and quick it's... character growth when you're shown your own grave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And it's not just, see, when I was a kid and I didn't understand it as much, I was like, why is he so freaked out by seeing his grave? Like we all know we're going to die. Is he afraid of dying? But like as a you know as I grew older and I watched it more and more I was like okay it's not that he's afraid he's of dying it's afraid that he's it's that he's afraid of um, dying in this way that he is going to be left in a like with no one caring about him with everyone being like glad that he's gone right. in a completely desolate place with all that's left of him being his material belongings which are being fenced by people who went and stole it from his house which, right exactly okay that that uh spider muppet that was fencing all of mm-hmm. his items super cool puppet um yeah. mm-hmm. and in, in addition to worrying about his legacy and seeing people laughing and jeer- cheering that he's dead i think i i've always felt that there's a slight implication that um, his current way of life would lead him to an early grave, and that like if he opens up his heart and like shares his life with other people, that he'll you know live longer. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, that could I, be it. It. I mean he's be. already getting advanced in his years. I I don't know if there's a textual number or anything, but it's it does seem to indicate that he doesn't have a lot of time left. Right. Um. So he needs to start getting his act together like quickly, <laughs> and then. But yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, he's literally cutting himself off from society. He's trying to make himself an island, and that's not usually a good predictor of lifespan, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, 
And uh, not to mention that he lives in the dark all the time. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably not it's eating cheap. that well. <laughs> yeah, darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. Um, darkness which, is you know, cheap. That metaphor. should be a line in something. I don't know. <laughs> like a <laughs> yeah, bad exactly. metal song or something. <laughs> Um, so it, yeah, it does kind of lead the, to those interesting questions of like that even you know Scrooge himself has to voice. That's like when you realize you're going down the bad path, it does that mean that you are seeing into the future? You are seeing your inevitable demise, or does that mean you are seeing what could happen if you keep doing this? And I think it would be a very different story if he's just seeing, like, because of what I've done in the past, here is what must happen to me in the future. But because it's a hopeful story, it's saying, despite what I've done in the past, um, I can change the future, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the essence of what a redemption story should be. It's, um, It's the overturning of the past or... Or more accurately, the the reconciling with the past in order to not let it define the future. Um, and, you know, fortunately, that's what he is able to do. And, uh, he, you know, he could, <laughs> he could die the very next day after the nice happy ending that we see. Uh, probably not, but, you know, he could technically. But what's important is that he won't die the way he saw in that in that vision that the ghost of Christmas yet to come showed him. It would be very different circumstances because he's different. Now, I, I really wish this type of, uh, this type of story wasn't reserved specifically for things like holiday movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Out of everything really? I've watched with redemption arcs, I can think of like Vegeta got to live. <laughs> God bless. Wow. Yeah. Well, th- it's it's odd because like we do have these examples uh, of of pretty straightforward redemption arcs, but it's odd because like in a way, any kind of character growth is a redemption arc. Not trying to get too galaxy brain here. But the very concept of being a character who grows from a certain point to a better point, I guess I should say positive character growth, is like a mini redemption arc. But the but yes, what you're saying is like an actual like a character starts out like not a good person and then over the course of the story becomes a good person. Or at the very least someone who is willing to and wanting to do good. Like and that is a much more uncommon thing, which is odd to me because in a way that, like I just said, that's kind of the essence of storytelling is taking some is taking something from point A to point B, like changing it from something to something else. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, this is the kind of story I honestly would like to see a lot more of. And frankly, I would like to see a lot more of specifically like here is a greedy fucking asshole capitalist person who realizes the fucking error of their ways literally has to have their face shoved like into the reality of the situation that they've created. I mean, yeah, like (laughs) literally he has to see oh, if I keep exploiting this poor man that works for me, his child might pretty well fucking die because of me. Like, that, you know, you almost have to think that that's something that has to be explicitly rubbed in certain people's faces before they'll recognize that what they're doing might be wrong. And even then, you know, kind of a crapshoot. But (laughs) I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think it's a good story. A good kind of archetypical story is someone starting out as bad 
seeing the consequences of their actions, realizing what led them there, and learning a new a new way, a better way forward. And on that note, we'll be talking about the rise of Skywalker next week. <laughs> Yay. We'll also be talking about Endgame, though. We will. We will. <laughs> I, I have better feelings about that one. Um, it's weird. It's like much stronger feelings about the rise of Skywalker, but they're, most of them are not positive. There's like uh, one positive for every like 10 negative. And then with Endgame, I'm just kind of like, huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a pretty good ending. I'm I'm all right with that, and yet I don't feel that strongly about it. We'll, right. We'll talk yeah. More next week. <laughs> right. Didn't didn't feel strongly about it at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Caleb did feel no, we'll, strongly about we'll, it because yeah. no, we'll tell that story next week. Yeah. If I haven't told it already, you might have. That's true. But no, no need for us to not bring it up again. <laughs> Bring your tissues, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'll be fucking sobbing about how sad I am about Star Wars now. <laughs> oh, God. I don't have anything else to say about A Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, I think we are. We have we have said our Christmas piece. What, what do you think, guys? Yeah. Um. Once again, as with the other two movies we talked about, uh, it's a classic. Watch it. You will not have a bad time. No, you will have a, a very good time. My name's Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. My name's Stephanie. You can find me at Steph Has No Name on Twitter and on Raise Left Boob at Letterboxd. On Letterboxd. At Raise Left Boob on Letterboxd. She's on the boob scrolling <sighs> the through Letterboxd. <laughs> God willing. Uh, <laughs> I'm Justin. You can find me on social media everywhere at Blame a Butler. You can find the show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. Have a happy holidays, everybody. And if you don't celebrate anything, happy winter time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. God bless us, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at Sounds Familiar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.